Hello everybody and welcome to Fear Bliss. It's the horror podcast for queers with fears. My name is Ashton, but you can call me Silky. And these are my friends. Hi, I'm Nat, and I was afraid of everything until Monster High changed my life. <laughs> Hi, I'm uh, Audrey. I spent my childhood reading ghost, uh, reading Goosebumps up until the point that I started reading a whole bunch of creepypasta. And now I'm here. That was perfect. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so on this podcast, um, we are going to be, well, I'm going to be going in between uh either reviewing horror movies or talking about some sort of aspect of the horror genre. So one episode is going to be horror movies. Next episode will be something else and then back and forth and back and forth. You get the idea. Um, And I'm going to be inviting different ones of my friends to come on with me during this adventure. So today I have Nat and Audrey with me because we are going to be reviewing the film Deadly Detention. I am... Very excited uh, that we're going to review this film. Uh, I guess uh, we should... It's a masterpiece of cinema. It is. And it's my fault everyone had to watch it. No. Uh, It is so beautiful. One of the most underrated films of all time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... (laughs) True cinematic masterpiece. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. Please watch it. It's so bad. Please watch it. Um, I mean, the thing is, this is my... I would say my number one favorite So Bad It's Good movie, and it was the first horror movie I ever watched. Um, it was the the two of us and our friend Mallow, and we, I don't remember what we were doing beforehand. Um, it, was, it, was the, it was the day of, like, going to a fair. I don't remember if that was the one where you got a concussion, but no, yeah, after it a was, fair. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the one where I got a concussion, because Audrey wasn't there for that. Yeah. Okay, it was after a fair. Um... And I remember Mallow was just kind of feeling down and was like, I want to watch a horror movie. Now, I'd never seen horror movies before. I was very uh, scared of the concept of them at the time, um, which is ironic because now I'm obsessed with them. And I would also say Mallow is probably the least into horror movies out of the people who were there. You you know, I I think it's a little, what's the word I'm looking for? A bit ironic, maybe, that Deadly Detention was your horror awakening. It wasn't my horror awakening, though, because I didn't get into horror until last year um, with um, Ready or Not and uh, Happy Death Day when I watched those two movies for the first time. I was like, oh, wow, this is actually a really fun genre. Um, Deadly Detention was nothing. It's not a scary movie at all in the slightest. So It was your horror alarm clock before your horror (laughs) awakening. That's very, okay, yeah, that's. That's a good way of putting it. Um, But yeah, I was surprised when, well, I wasn't surprised, honestly. This should have been par for the course, I guess. But um, I like went online to like Letterboxd and other websites. And I was like, what do other people think of this movie on like movie review websites? The general consensus is that it's just kind of like bad, bad, like not fun, bad, just like boring, bad, like not good in any way bad. And they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. I mean, like, I think some people think that the humor in this movie is, like, cringy, which, like, it is at times, but it's, that's what makes it funny. Yeah, that's kind of the point. Yeah. And I do think that there are legitimately some jokes and stuff in this movie that, like, th- some some parts of the movie that are trying to be funny and that legitimately succeed at being funny. Yeah. It's good. It's very good. Um, 
so yeah, we should probably actually talk about what this movie is about. Yeah, instead of just talking around the movie, let's let's start getting into some of those details. Yeah. No, it's a mystery. You, the listener, have to solve the puzzle of deadly detention. We are not going to give you any hints. You have to solve our deadly detention puzzle. Welcome to our deadly detention puzzle. This has actually been a saw trap in disguise the entire time. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so Deadly Detention came out in 2017, um, was directed by Blair Hayes. Um, it was on Netflix for quite a while, but um, when I went to review it, it wasn't on Netflix anymore, which is really sad to me. Um, so now I believe the only streaming service it's on is Hoopla, which I literally had never even heard of until I had to figure out what streaming service Deadly Detention was on. Um, but you can rent it on, like, YouTube, Amazon, you know, all those things if you want to pay $2 to watch this movie, which, honestly, I mean, I think it's worth it. Worth it, yeah. <laughs> it's worth it. I-, I will say, like, it's probably really only worth it if you are watching it in a group setting. That will yeah. enhance oh, yeah, the sure. experience by a lot. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed watching it on my own uh, for this, but that was just because, like, I'd already seen it before and I already had that that attachment to it. I'd say for your first viewing, probably watch it with some friends. Uh, maybe get a little drunk if you want to. This movie would probably be really great to watch drunk. Definitely. Uh, so what is the movie actually about, though? Is that a question for us or a question for the audience? Or a hypothetical. A for God? That is a question. <laughs> that is a question for God. Okay. Um, no, I mean, do, do you guys want to help me explain oh. what it's about? Yeah, would be more than happy to. Uh, so, Deadly Detention is a horror film that takes the formula of The Breakfast Club, makes the characters unlikable. I don't want to <laughs> say fully unlikable, but... No, I... It's like I, if it's... <laughs> It's like if the Breakfast Club got got Riverdale. No, yeah, like, yeah. I do. I I do thoroughly enjoy each and one of the each and every one of the characters, but like mm-hmm. some of them are kind of just assholes. Let's yeah. be fair. Um, mostly Barrett. We'll get to Barrett. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, it takes the formula of the Breakfast Club and places them in a prison, and also there's a slasher. Yeah. So it's a horror movie version of Breakfast Club. Um, which uh, is not the only, like, time that somebody's tried to do this. I think there's, um, uh, there's an episode of Hulu's Into the Dark that has the same premise. I haven't watched it. I don't know if it's good. It's probably not as good as Deadly Detention. Is that the, is that the two-sentence horror stories show? Because I- No, no. Um, Yeah. Uh, Into the Dark is, uh, an entirely different series, but two-sentence horror stories does also have a, uh- horror-themed Breakfast Club episode. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I remember watching yes. that and being like, wow, this this is dollar store deadly detention. Oh my god. Wow. It is a surprisingly common, uh, surprisingly common idea for a horror movie, I guess. I mean, yes, but so many things could have gone wrong in the Breakfast Club if, if somebody dangerous had been around. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I'm listening to a mystery audiobook where just everyone goes into detention and one of them gets a peanut allergy and dies on the spot. I mean, sounds about right. Um, it's a mystery. It, it parodies The Breakfast Club a lot. Um, I saw some people um, when I was like looking through 
people's opinions of this movie being like, oh, it's trying too hard to be The Breakfast Club, but, you know, like, that, that's what's holding it back. Like, that's its entire premise. You can't take Breakfast Club away from this movie. I like, don't think you can separate the two. Like, uh, as just, like, a quick heads up, because, uh, like, the viewers can't see this because they're listening. I, listeners, sorry. Uh, the movie poster for... Deli Detention is an homage to the Breakfast Club poster. Yeah. It is very blatant about mm-hmm. where it's drawing its source material. Yeah, and I I think that, honestly, like, some of the actually good parts of this movie, like, the one thing that I actually enjoy about this movie is the way that it subverts your expectations by being a Breakfast Club parody. Um, but we'll get into that at the end. So, yeah... We all, <laughs> this is a bad movie, but it's a movie we very much enjoy. Do you guys want to get into it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, also this movie is only 85 minutes long. Yeah. It's it's, it's not a very long movie. <laughs> it's uh, fairly short as far as movies go. So. So, um, the start of this movie, which I forgot that this was even a thing before I rewatched it, is there's like a cold open where there's like some shots of one of the characters running and um the killer's weapon which is pathetic but we'll talk about that later um and uh somebody like sliding a bloody hand down a glass door and then they just cut to three hours earlier yep they do an in media res and then immediately drop it which yeah um it's also weird because all of those shots are reused from later parts of the movie, but they happen at completely different times of the movie. They are completely unrelated, but I guess that's what we're going with. Yeah, it's not a very well edited intro. <laughs> Which sets you off for the idea of, oh, this is exactly the t- I know exactly what type of movie we're going in for. Yeah, I think we've established mm-hmm. this is not a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good movie, but not a good movie. Yeah. So um, then we, we cut back to the bus, which is taking um, all of our main characters to detention. Um, and they are introduced through, like, splash screen oh. intros. Yeah, they've got some, like, um, cool pink slip uh, intro cards uh, introducing all the characters. Yeah, so I think that was a good time to talk about um, each character and the, uh, the, the who they're supposed to parody from The Breakfast Club. Um so we have, uh, I don't remember what order they're actually introduced in, so I'm just going to go with my gut. Um, we have Jessica, who is uh, based on the jock character from The Breakfast Club, whose name I don't actually remember, which is a shame because that's one of my favorite movies. But uh, so she's like star athlete. I think they mentioned that she's going for the Junior Olympics. Um, you know, she's she's really well respected at the school. Yeah, she is like nice, good girl, uh, a bit of a teacher's pet. Uh, But overall, she's like your ideal uh, protagonist type character. Yeah, and and I like that it's justified that she's like tough because she's a star athlete. Like there's several times where she like tries kicking down a door or something and like even if it doesn't work, it makes sense that she wouldn't immediately hurt herself doing that. She can get very aggressive, and I like that. Yeah. Um, we have Lexi, who is, uh, you would think at first glance, is like, like Claire Standish, the beauty, but she's actually the bender of the movie. Um, she is the one who is in detention the most often. She's kind of like a party girl. 
you know, bad girl, slutty girl type, you know. Yeah, she's the delinquent. Yeah. Um, I like how they, they took the bender and then made it, like, the a, a horror movie archetype at the same time. Um, also, gender bent bender is just, that's nice. I like that. That's good um, shit. Then we have uh, Barrett, who is actually, the, he's the Claire Standish. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, like, the, the super pretty boy, you know, always on Instagram. He's hot and he knows it and he's kind of he's- an asshole. He's, like, introduced while he's taking a selfie. <laughs> yeah! Next up, oh, 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 geez. Uh, okay, I, I forget. He's supposed to be modeled after the nerd kid, I guess? He is supposed uh, to be modeled after the nerd kid, though he, he isn't really nerdy in any way. No, They kind of no. just make him his own thing. Um, There's just a lot going on with him, and I respect that. I have lists... I have listed in my notes for, uh, I guess we should name him. Kevin. Kevin. Uh, he, I have him listed in my notes as the minority <laughs> of the group because they yeah. decide to take, like, everything and shove it into him. Yeah, uh, so he's he's the only black character in this movie. He's also gay, which is, you find out through one line of dialogue that I finally caught this time watching the movie. Otherwise, it's just implied by him being kind of feminine. Okay, this whole I've seen this movie at least three times, and I am fighting this out now. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. no! Like, uh, Lexi has a line that uh, she says to him once they're in holding. Yeah. Um, uh, she. It's like very blink and you miss it. It's, she does not enunciate very well for it. Yeah, I finally caught it this time, and it's uh, she she her greeting to him is, "What's the story, gay and hoary?" <laughs> which is what I'm going to say to all of my friends from now on. Uh, but yeah, I guess, hold on, we need to, uh, we need, we can't skip over the most important detail of Kevin. Yes. And that is he carries around with him at all times this custom-made bedazzled glitter Bible. Which he, which, he, he is finishing bedazzling it in the bus at the start of the movie. That is how he's introduced. He is so good. He's incredible. I like to imagine that he has, like, the full Michael's Craft Store kit on him through the whole movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, but, no, he's got, like, custom light-up sneakers, a cool uh, reflective light jacket. Light-up sneakers mm-hmm. would really add to the atmosphere sometimes. Oh, yeah, no, he, like, switches the light colors coming from them uh, every so often. It's like... No, they, they, they stayed the same color the whole time. I, I took extensive notes on the oh, light okay. sneakers, trust me. Well, also, um, I just like when it would, like, cut to, like, it's just them at the end of, like, a long, creepy hall, and you can just see his sneakers reflecting in the dingy floor. Yeah! <laughs> I have, like I said, I have notes about the sneakers. They're great. Um, but last but not least, we have Taylor, who is uh, based off of Allison, the basket case in Breakfast Club. Um... And she is a skater girl. She said, see you later, girl. I mean, that's not inaccurate. She does have some Avril Lavigne vibes. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on with Taylor. Uh, her outfit is honestly incredible. It's a beanie, shades, big headphones, a skateboard, a jacket that's a, probably a bit too big for her. And but then, it has, like, all this, like, graffiti, like, design on the back that she presumably did herself. Oh, yeah. No, it's a really cool jacket. The way, my first thought um, when I saw Taylor, is, and just, like, how to describe the way she dresses, 
is an emo kid who kins Pidge from Voltron. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I am right. Oh, that's um, awful. I'm right, though. Audrey likes to call her uh, cousin Throckmorton. And yes. I don't know why or where that it's, came it's from. It's some weird I mean, thing about a textbook. You're not aware of my cousin Throckmorton? I know about the post. I know the post exists. I don't know where you made that connection with Taylor. Okay, I don't know. Like, uh, I think it the... had something to do with, like, they didn't bring up her name for a while. Yes. like they. But this, they do, because the splash screens say everyone's name. That just means you weren't paying attention, Audrey. The splash screen shows her name at the beginning, and then be- through a combination of the fact that she does not talk until after the first murder... Uh, yeah, she doesn't talk for, like, the first half hour of the movie. And the fact that no one actually refers to her by her name. Uh, I am just referring to her as, oh, yeah, that's my cousin Throckmorton, the skater. Okay, I guess that's fair. And now, my mental image of that has backpacked onto my, one of my favorite movies, My Cousin Vinny. And I don't know how that morphs into deadly detention where everything's the same, except it's it's my cousin Vinny instead of Taylor. Oh no. Oh, no. Um, also important to note that um, similarly to Kevin, uh, Taylor has her skateboard on her at all times. She is skateboarding inside of the bus. I love when she's introduced when they all get out of the bus, she throws her skateboard down and presumably jumps on it. Yeah, she does that a lot. Um, so also important to mention is um, the, the bus driver who's on the bus. Um, oh, yeah. He's got like yeah. a little dead daughter shrine. Uh, yeah. Well, don't spoil that. Okay. We can assume it's his daughter. I mean, I, assume, I assumed it was someone related to him and not just some random dead girl that he's built a shrine to inside of the bus, which would be okay, otherwise so incredibly uh, damn it, Stacy. She walked my dog and she's dead now. I mean, he's the bus driver for the school, so it makes sense that if a kid dies in the school, that like they would just put up a shrine to her in various places. I don't know, but on the um, bus? yeah, he's it's I like a personal know. shrine. Yeah, I mean, it is a personal shrine. Yes, okay, but so the bus pulls into the prison. Um, there's like an overhead drone shot of the prison, which I swear they use that same drone shot like five times in this movie. Oh yeah, the it, same is, exact shot. it is reused multiple times. Um, and all the kids get off the bus. Um, very important to note that Kevin crosses himself and kisses his cross necklace <laughs> oh, before no, getting off the bus. What? I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it made me laugh out loud when I saw it because I forgot about it too. So then the, uh, teacher is waiting for them inside. Um, yeah. I wrote teacher, but she's actually the principal. Yeah. Um, you find that out later. Um, and her name is Ms. Presley. She's got, like, like, uh, like, blonde woman with her hair pulled up, like, high, black high heels. Yeah. She, girl honestly, boss like, energy. Yeah, girl boss dominatrix energy. Yeah. Kind of deal. I mean, I wouldn't um, go that far, but, like, <laughs> I also want to oh, point yeah. out that, like, at this point, now that we've met Miss Presley, we have met every single character in this movie. It is a yes. very small cast. It is a very small cast. This movie was probably made on, like, um, you know, like $20 in the lint in somebody's pocket. So, yeah, that that's all the characters in this, this movie. This movie was funded by hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so uh, real quick, I do want to mention that Miss um, Presley is played by Gillian Vigman, who actually has minor roles in the Hangover series and Forty Year Old Virgin, which is a fact that I found interesting, considering um, most people in this movie are complete unknowns. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, they they get inside, and Miss Presley is waiting for them. Um, also, while while they're walking up to her, I think this is the thing you were talking about, um, the, or the thing that we were just talking about before, where Taylor sets down her skateboard and, like, awkwardly skates down the halls. Yeah, no, she, like, skateboards in the hall for, like, 50 feet before stopping again. Yeah, and she very purposefully stops to set it down. Like, it's, it's so unnecessary, but that's what makes it great. So, yeah, um, the, the bus driver, who we also, uh, I don't think we find out at this point, but uh, he is also a hall cop. He's wearing, like, a security shirt thing. Um, so he takes them to the detention room. Um, also, Lexi tries to flirt with him as they go, which is weird. Yeah. She's like, you want to cuff me, officer? Or whatever. It's weird. Lexi is the kind of person who just, like, says things to, like, get attention or to, like, mess with people. Like... I don't think she's genuine about it. No, no. For sure not. Yeah, um, so the the room that they go to... Yeah, uh, I... They end up in another big holding cell. Uh, yeah. The principal gives a exposition dump where, like, oh, you guys are... Because the school is being fumigated because there is a rabid possum infestation. Uh, yeah. Which is a very weird thing to happen, but I guess that's just... It, it makes sense later. And also, this is, like, Saturday detention, so that's why, like, there's not any issues with, like, school being canceled or anything. So yeah. we can... Uh, like, she said that they got emailed about it. Um, so presumably, like, it literally just happened, like, after school yesterday, which... that It makes sense later. Yeah. Anyway, uh... She's but, the like, seriously, is really the first place that you're going to think of to hold detention after your school needs to get fumigated is an abandoned prison? Yeah, and a- e- that's the part that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, they take it to an abandoned state prison uh, that hasn't been operational for however so many years. Uh, supposedly haunted. Supposedly haunted. Uh, and Riddled then she, with like, assigns them uh, in essay that they're supposed to write during their uh detention period and yeah yeah they they do that's that's a little bit later though oh, okay um because first miss presley uh while they're all set getting settled, oh yeah uh, that's right goes that's... off on her own to to an office area um which makes sense like that was probably there for like the you know officers or the police like the warden or whatever yeah but she goes um, and sets up like her own office space yeah and she unloads like a lot of personal items yeah it's really weird she's got like a picture of her cat and like, she's got uh she's got a trophy which is an important item Okay, but like on when she takes out the picture of her cat, she's like, "That's my meow meow. It's my little she meow does. meow." Yeah. But then, and like I started saying that, and I couldn't remember where it was from. And now, like I see people on TikTok being like, "Oh, my poor little meow meow," and I'm like, "You don't even know what forces you're messing with right now." Miss <laughs> <laughs> Presley invented that shit. Uh, also, something that I I noticed on this watch through that uh, beforehand, like. 
completely insignificant. I wouldn't have even written it down. But uh, now I've, I, I found it very interesting that everybody was like wiping down all the surfaces. Like Ms. Presley gets out like a wet wipe and is wiping down the desk that she's putting everything on. You see Kevin take out a little bottle of hand sanitizer and like squeeze it all over the, the table he's sitting at. Um, very relevant in COVID times. Yeah. To be Think- fair, I would too. Yeah. 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 After she gets back from her office, uh, she gives a, she assigns them the essay and gives an exposition about their uh, recently dead classmate who committed suicide. Yeah, named Jenny. And the essay is supposed to be thematically tied to it. It's the Mm -hmm. theme of the essay is the me you don't see, which is very, very Heather's. uh, It's it's. It's something, all right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, then she takes all their phones. Because we gotta get rid of the cell phones. A, a couple uh, choice dialogues that I want to highlight. Oh my god, yeah, there's so many choice dialogues in this movie. I wrote down so many quotes. Uh, when she takes uh, Taylor's phone. Yes, uh, I wrote this one down too. I'm calling your mother if you, ha- if you have No, one. no, no. She says good she says good luck calling your mother if you even have one. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Um she's also established to be like really weirdly flirty with Barrett. Oh, yeah. Um it's not which is, it's mm. Mm, yeah, it's unfortunate. And they never address it again? No. Yeah, yeah. It's just at the start of the movie and then they like it's never brought up ever again. They honestly it could have been cut out, but like they needed to pad this movie somehow. <laughs> But, yeah, no. Uh, when she takes Kevin's phone, she says, Jesus saves. <laughs> yeah, she does. Barrett tries pulling, like, a little stunt where he's trying to convince her, like, that he's diabetic. And the the response is basically, fuck you, diabetic kid, eat some candy. Yeah, she had set up a candy bowl earlier in her room. So, like, yeah, it's established she has candy on her. Yeah. Uh, which... Very irresponsible if Barrett was actually diabetic, but... Yeah. The principal, I can't... I, I need to have my phone. I have asthma, and I need to call 911 if I have an attack. Get better lungs! <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wrote here, Kevin's reactions are everything, which they are. <laughs> like, every so often, they'll just cut back to him while something, like, weird is happening, and you'll just see him kind of, like, look to the side, like, uh, are you seeing this shit? And it's so good every time. God. He looks like he's on a reality TV show and reacting to some, like, drama going down. Yeah, he pretty much is. Yeah. Yeah, so Presley leaves. Yeah, after that she leaves. And uh, Lexi starts to harass Taylor, who's basically just, like, sleeping on top of her skateboard. And at, at one point she asks her if she's deaf and, like, you know, like, shouting in her face to which... Jessica says, Shut up, deaf people can't hear you. <laughs> Emphasis on the hear. It is such a good line delivery. It's so bad, but it's it's one of my favorite lines in this movie. So, um, and then this is when we get the whole, like, confirmation that Ms. P is, like, weirdly into Barrett. She's, like, doing oh, erotica. Yeah. And then she looks through her his phone and it, which does mm. not have a passcode for some reason. Barrett does not lock his phone, which... Yeah, I mean, 
that or maybe he's like me where like he he has the passcode set up but he has it so that it only like locks after like five minutes of uh, the phone yeah. being down yeah that that was that was my assumption um because like i'm one of those people who like i'll like you know like turn off my phone and be like oh wait i had to do something on it that i just like completely forgot about and then it's like i don't want to put in my passcode again right after that but, yeah so yeah um Lexi starts trying to talk to Barrett, and she gets ignored, um, and he, like, because he's, like, drawing something, and yeah. he shows it to, um, to Jessica instead. It's like and a, so, it's a party invite written on there is a little text bubble that says, praise the god of tits, beer, and wine. I never noticed that! Love Dionysus. <laughs> <laughs> That makes Lexi think that they're, like, a thing, which they're not. Um, she's like, uh, oh, I get it. He's your bae, so he's not allowed to talk to me. Um, which is one of the, the more dated lines in this movie. It is bad. But, yeah, um, and, and uh, apparently she doesn't even know who Barrett is, which feels kind of weird to me considering they're setting him up as being like super uber popular oh, but yeah maybe it's a big school yeah like none uh, of these people know each other going into this aside from like a couple of them know who jenny was but they, they, some of them know who jess is lexi knows jess okay. because she she mentions aren't you going out for the the special olympics oh that's right um and then jess is like um actually it's the junior olympics um but yeah, I think some of them vaguely know each other, but probably like only in past, like how much the Breakfast Club kids knew each yeah. other, basically. But yeah, because she she actually asked Barrett what his name is, and when he says Barrett, she goes, "Why did your parents name you after a hair clip?" <sighs> well, first she does the Which very is... sassy Barrett. Yeah, yeah, she does. Uh, she's she's very Valley Girl esque. Um, we love Lexi in this household. She's the best part of this oh, movie. Oh, she's fantastic. She's sure. just so good. She carries this movie on her back. Yeah, uh, they they kind of start to flirt a little, and we can, like, tell that Jess doesn't really like that, mostly because, like, they're not supposed to be doing that, but it's also implied maybe there's something else going on. They never really actually do anything with this. There's, like, kind of a half-assed sort of implied love triangle with these three that never really amounts to anything. It amounts to something, and that, that, that thing is immediately yeah. torn apart, but we'll get there. Uh, yeah. Um, and Lexi messes with Taylor again. She goes back to doing that. Um, and eventually tries to take off her sunglasses, and that's when Taylor finally gets up, and they start fighting and shouting. Uh, not, not that Taylor says anything. It's just Lexi shouting. Um, and Taylor getting, like, physical with her. Yeah. At which point... Uh... Miss Presley does come back to yell at them. Yeah, she stuff she's she stuffs Barrett's bra on her phone with uh, Barrett's phone in her bra. I was gonna say that's gotta be very difficult to achieve. <laughs> yeah, that's something. Um, so yeah, she she comes back to uh, shut everything down, and I think uh, this is when it's established that like. Lexi and, and Ms. Presley are, like, familiar with each other, because yeah. Lexi's getting detention all the time. Yeah, they have history with each other uh, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But, yeah, after the... I forget... I think she gets a call over the radio or something and has to leave. 
she gets a call on her cell phone and she's just like, I have to take this. And it's like, it's just an excuse to get her out of the room. Yeah. Um, and she threatens to give, like, everybody else more detentions if Lexi keeps up the bullshit. So, of course, Jessica's like, don't do anything else. You're going to get us all in trouble. You know, the yeah, the classic, like, you know, annoying type A good girl thing. Yeah. At which point, um, Lexi decides to take the opportunity to get up to more bullshit. Uh, and yeah, so sneaks into Presley's office and steals the big glass trophy from earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. Which we did not mention is very phallic in nature. It is very it's phallic. Just... There is a shot of Miss Presley, like, stroking it up and down <laughs> while polishing it. And it is, it is a yeah. very phallic joke. We, we yeah. love the trophy. Um, it is plot relevant. Yeah. It, it, by the way, it's a principal of the year trophy, which is, I believe, that is how it's established that she's the principal and not just some random teacher. Yeah. Um, the first time I saw it, and I saw Lexi grab it, I was like, oh no. And then she just starts flinging it around and making lightsaber noises. I know! Yeah! I was gonna say, that's the most shocking moment of this movie, is when she doesn't start making dick jokes. Because before now, she's been totally, like, super sexualized and, you know. But this is a moment where, like, Lexi is alone and she's not doing And so she gets to just go with her gut instinct, which is... Let's have some fun playing with the giant glass lightsaber. Yeah, I know, like, uh, <laughs> why am I actually, like, praising Lexi's characterization right now? But like I said, she is the best part of this movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, after that, she gets back. Uh, they've stolen the lightsaber. There's an interrogation scene where Presley is trying to figure out, hey, you yeah. guys are up to something. Then she gets caught. Yeah, and they're all yeah. holding it behind their backs and, like, passing it between them. Yeah. Um, also... We should say, I, I, don't, I don't think this movie is, like, I mean, it'd probably be, like, PG-13. Actually, they do swear a couple of times. Um, it, it didn't have a rating because it just kind of came out on streaming services, but, like, you might say, like, oh, you know, like, they, they didn't, like, have Lexi do sexual things with it because they wanted the dick joke to be, like, implied, but no, when she goes in and brings it in, like, Barrett literally calls it a glass dildo. Yeah. Nah, it's just, it's a, the fact that she didn't immediately go for the sexual stuff is part of her character uh which yeah nuance mm. in deadly detention who could have thought uh again cinematic masterpiece a little bit of nuance as a treat but yeah shortly after this the principal is called out of the room again for some reason yeah uh, this might have been the part where she got a phone call i don't remember yeah one of them, she leaves. We get another um, overhead shot to show that time passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now the horror film begins. Yes, they hear Miss Presley scream. Um, and she runs over to a door, which from the, the shots of it, at first it is very unclear where this door is. <laughs> because there's an open door in the holding cell and then it goes like around a corner and down like a little bit of a hallway and that's where the door where presley is yeah they can't like screaming at they can't see the door from where they are but they can hear her yelling and shouting yep and no one is reacting enough to their screams of terror yeah because like lexi uh thinks that it's just like a joke uh taylor is taylor Jessica's the main one who seems, like, seriously concerned. Is like, we should help her, but doesn't actually, like, do anything to go over and help her. Um, 
Barrett, I think, also thinks it's a joke. And then Kevin is just like, I mean, I'm not going over there. But yeah, no, she is screaming and pounding on the door. And this lady gets stabbed. There is a lot of blood. Yeah. Uh, um, this is the, the shot of, like, the, the bloody hand on the doorway from the cold open. Yeah, no, her hand is soaked in blood. A big pool of blood starts, like, seeping underneath the uh, frame at the door. Which you get, literally, you get only one very short shot of it. And the first time I watched this movie, I actually missed the shot of the blood seeping out from under the door. And I just saw all the characters looking down and being like, oh, gross, oh, no. And I thought they were just implying the blood was on the ground. But there is a very short shot of it coming from under the door. Again, as a treat. As a treat. <laughs> but yeah, they they try to get the door open to get to her. Uh, it's locked. They, no, no, it's not even that. They are pushing the door. It, it is a pole door that they are pushing towards. It is? Yes. No, it is a pole door. And they are, like, kicking it and how trying you, to bash it through. How do you know it's a pole door? Because I saw the hinges. Yeah, you can tell if it's a pole or push depending on what side the hinges are on. I never knew that. Yeah, it is a pole door, and they are pushing it down, trying to get through. Well, I guess they didn't have enough budget to lock the door. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like tries kicking it down, that isn't working, um, yada yada, and everybody starts arguing about what they should do. And then, finally... Our lord and savior, my cousin Throckmorton, gets to be the voice of reason. She speaks! She speaks! Or really, she gets to have a voice yeah. of reason! Uh, really, she yells over everybody, um, cause Jess and, Jess and, uh, Lexi are about to, like, actually physically fight, and she starts yelling, um, and it turns out she's not over there by the door, she's by the, the phone inside of the holding room, um, and seeing if it she can call anyone with it, which, of course, she can't. Yeah, no, the phone's all... Isn't she just, like, screaming yeah, into the, the phones phone? phones are dead. Yeah, she, yeah she, she yells at them because she she can't hear anything over all their yelling. So, um, they all head back in to, to over to her because she's, she's started yelling. Um, and after they try the phone for a little bit, the inner doors that we mentioned before, um, they slide shut and lock. At which point... Uh, our good friend Jigsaw starts coming on the intercom. It's very Jigsaw, yeah. So there's, like, a distorted voice on the intercom, which, like, if you hear, like, a, a distorted, like, voice changer voice in a horror movie, like, it always, you always think Jigsaw. But yeah, he, he says that he's, like, their new principal or whatever, um, and, you know, starts talking about, I don't know, he's treating things like a game, so I guess he is Jigsaw. Um, and Taylor immediately thinks it's a ghost. Yeah, there's, like, this whole, like, ghost myth about, like, a like a crazy prisoner that got left behind, and then they never bring it yeah, up again. Yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, they very quickly drop the ghost plotline. Yeah, um, so she thinks it's a ghost, so there's this one shot of her next to Kevin, and she's, like, holding up his cross necklace towards the loudspeaker. It's great. Very shortly after, the doors open again. So I guess, I guess that was just to like show that he can control the doors. Well, no, it's it's uh because when they run back over to where uh, Miss Presley's body was, the door's now unlocked and her body is missing. 
and there's like oh, okay. blood smeared so on the didn't... floor. So like the doors were very much locked to keep them in there so that uh they Jake... wouldn't see him moving the body at yeah. all. Okay, I guess that makes sense, yeah. There is some mechanical consistency in this movie, surprisingly. Okay. Okay. Um so yeah, so the, the body is gone. So they all start to, to leave to follow like the trail of blood, um, since she was obviously like dragged away. Um, and Lexi is smart enough to at least go back and grab the trophy that they hid earlier. Um, because like we said, it's like a big ass giant glass trophy. It's got like a pointy end on top. Like it would make a very good weapon. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and there's a, okay, there, there's one moment I need to talk about, which is like in the trailers, but I want to specifically talk about the moment mm-hmm. after that, uh, where Barrett is the only one who hasn't started walking down the hallway and he's like expressing concern about like, hey, this sounds pretty dangerous. And then Lexi has a good line uh, standing with the glass trophy. Uh, Don't worry, baby. Mama's got it covered. Uh, but the f- And then Barrett just like shrugs and is like, okay, good he's, enough for me. He's got the, the fucking shrug and very slight head tilt. Like, okay. Barrett gets pegged. <laughs> Unfortunately, not in this movie. No. Um, I don't mean in the movie. I just mean as a character. Yeah. Um, also important to mention, Taylor is still skateboarding down the halls at this point. Yeah. There is a dead body in this uh, in this jail and... Maybe a ghost. Nothing stops Taylor. Nothing stops her. Yeah. It's <laughs> skate or die, dude. Skate or die. Um, so they go to the office... But all of their phones are gone. They find, like, the box, but the phones aren't in it. Um, Which is why they left, was to go and find their phones. Yeah. Like, they start... I I forget who brings up... I think it might have been uh, Lexi, who brings up the idea that it's not a ghost, but Presley is actually the one behind the entire plot, which would involve... And she's just messing with them. I guess. I guess. Maybe. Yeah, uh, um, so, and, uh, when they're, like, walking away and walking down the creepy hallway, like, Kevin starts reading Bible verses to them to, like, try and calm them down, I guess. Like, he finds a relevant Bible verse where it's, like, everybody thought Jesus was a ghost, but he wasn't. And it's just, like, <laughs> dude, now's not the time. Jesus isn't a ghost, he has bones. <laughs> Um, and that's when Taylor starts telling the, the story about the ghost that we said doesn't really matter. But the gist of it is that there was a prisoner left behind in solitary confinement, um, and that the, the prisoner was for, like, the criminally insane or whatever. Um, and when they moved, the prisoner got left behind, and she just kind of, like, starved to death. And now her ghost roams the halls or whatever. Um, and she says she read about it online. <laughs> And if you want more information about that story, you get none! You get none! You get nothing! That was your little bit of ghost as a treat. You get nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, there is no ghost in this movie. Other than Jesus. So they go to a a back room. I didn't know what this room was at first, but later they call it a kitchen. So I wrote also the killer comes on the loudspeaker just to drop the title. Just to be like, will you survive deadly detention? I think that I think is actually, will you make it to the end of the deadly detention? Okay, Audrey. Okay. 
That was no, really I, important. I have it down in my notes too. I thought it was important. But yeah, they're 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 walking around. They are doing investigation, searching, yeah, they're looking for Presley. I find this very important because it shows that Lexi is a dork. Uh, but she has taken a flashlight and is shining it through the bottom of the statue like a prism. Yeah, it's actually a really cool visual because she walks into this back room that's like very orangey and she has, it's like a little pocket flashlight or whatever, like a little keychain flashlight. And when she shines it through, it's a very blue light. So you get this shot of her like walking with the orange background with the blue trophy, with the glowing blue trophy contrasting it. And it's actually a nice shot. It's surprisingly confident. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, it 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 shows that uh, Lexi's got a bit more depth to her that she's like a little dorky too. Yeah. Because uh, like, obviously it would probably just be better to use the flashlight by itself. But she wanted to go all the way. Yeah. Um, uh, and then she finds uh, Ms. Presley's body in the back room. Yeah. I should let you guys know that we are now at Half of the length of the movie yeah. <laughs> in terms of recording. We are making pace with the movie. Uh, yeah. Actually, um, no, I think the movie's ahead of us. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they, the boys start to argue about how you're supposed to check a pulse, which is a funny moment. It actually becomes relevant later, but we'll get to that. Um, uh, another good line in here is uh, all old people wear Fitbits because Lexi tells them to check if she has a Fitbit because it should be checking her pulse. But the, I believe the killer interrupts them on the intercom. Yeah. Kevin wants them to do a eulogy. Yeah, even though uh, the killer they... just told them to leave the room. Yeah. He wants Lexi to do a eulogy. Yeah, knew her she, best. She, yeah, exactly. And then through the whole thing, he just looks appalled in the back. Yeah, like he didn't expect for her to start insulting Presley. Um, also very important is that he, uh, lets her hold the bedazzled Bible and also tells her, the Lord will guide you, come on. Uh, okay, okay, one more, like, tiny Lexi tidbit, I guess. Can you tell we have a favorite? Yeah. Uh, in her eulogy, uh, she says that, like, she's been dealing with Miss Presley for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from the pink slips in the beginning, they're all juniors. Uh, oh. Which implies Lexi got held back a year. That would make sense. So, very tiny blink and you miss it moment. Either that or they just. Or it's a complete oversight (laughs) and I'm overlooking into things. I personally think it is an oversight. It's probably an oversight, but it would make sense if she got held back. Um, But no, after that, the rest of the cast leaves the room and uh, there's like a genuine moment of emotion shared between Kevin and Lexi. Yeah, she, she leaves the trophy with Presley, which is which seems like a, a bad decision, but she says that she does it because uh, she thinks that Presley would haunt her otherwise. But Kevin thinks it's because she actually cares about Presley. Which is, it's 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 sweet. Uh, yeah. So let's, uh, let's move over to the next shot uh, where Barrett gets electrocuted. Like, so more doors start opening to them, but Barrett's like, well, I don't want to go the way that Jigsaw is telling me to go because he's leading us to something and it's going to be bad. So I'm going to go a different way. Um, and he walks towards this other door. And for no reason at all, just because, like, I have a bad feeling about that door. Um, and so he grabs onto the handle of the door and pretends to get electrocuted. And then when everybody is like, God, Barrett, you're a jerk. 
he grabs onto the door again. And this time he does get electrocuted, which I don't know how the mechanics of that work, where grabbing the first time was okay, but... I don't know, just... Sorry, did I say that this uh, movie has consistent mechanics? No. Sorry, I I take that back. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And he passes out. Um, Yeah. And Lexi decides that the best way to wake him up will be to kiss him because she thinks it's like a reflex. To kiss kiss back. back. Yeah. Um, Which is ridiculous and stupid, but she does that. And it works. It works. It works. Shockingly, it works. Um, and oh. this pisses Jess off. Yeah, no, Jess goes ahead and makes space for Jesus. Uh, yeah. Gets between them. She gets between them, then makes them get up, and then she decides to do, like, a huddle. And when they all get into the huddle and those two, like, start to go next to each other, she, like, goes in between them, like, switches sides to get in between the two of them. So she tries to give them, like, a, a pep talk. It's very generic. Yeah. You can tell that she's very much trying to hone in on those protagonist vibes. There is a really good moment in there where the, where while she's in the middle of the pep talk, the killer comes in on the speaker to go, I can hear you. <laughs> it's great. I love it. And uh, then at the end of it, she tries to do like a, like a everybody hands in the middle cheer, which goes poorly. Yeah, no one sticks around for that. Everybody walks away, but she she commits to it. Yeah, she commits to it. They grab a couple weapons. Uh, mm-hmm. And then move on to what I think is kind of like one of the weirdest scenes uh, in the movie. Yeah. Uh, they have a scene where they're all talking about, like, how they end up getting detention so we know why they're mm-hmm. here in the first place. And for the most part, each character was framed. Uh, yeah. But, like, the weird part of this scene is they are all walking, like, sidestepping, pressed against the lockers. I never thought that it was weird for some reason. I just kind of accepted that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought they're... It, it, it's, it's like they're on the edge of a cliff, and they're trying to not fall off. But they're in the middle of a hallway. It's very Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it yeah, feels very yeah, Scooby-Doo. But, no, they're, like, talking about all the different reasons why they got, uh, why they got detention, like, Barrett had vodka in his locker, which wasn't his brand. Uh, Jess was blamed for slashing the volleyball nets. Uh, uh, Kevin's is great because, uh, somebody spray-painted Jesus Ate My Homework, uh, on the gym wall with, like, glitter, um, and they're like, you didn't do that? And he's like, no, Jesus would have turned in my homework. <laughs> God, I love Kevin. The thing for Taylor, which I found funny, was Taylor was not framed. Uh, she was Taylor, not. No, she's here uh, because uh, someone called her a slur, so she slugged them. Yeah, she punched out a transphobe. Yeah. And, like, no, she was not framed. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, they don't bring up in this scene why Lexi went to detention, and they never do. Um, but I guess we're supposed to assume that she's just here on the regular. It's just her regular stomping grounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, they go into a different room, um, and they're, they're in, like, a different hallway. They're always in hallways in this movie. There's a lot of hallways in this prison. There's a lot of hallways. The prison feels very school-esque. You know, now that I like, think about it, I don't remember seeing one single cell. 
there, there's a scene where they're in a cell. I swear there is. Also, in um, the process of looking for the actual the length of the movie, I saw a review that just said, "If the prison is abandoned, why was the parking lot full?" <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, there's this thing called a movie crew. <laughs> but um, so the killer finally shows his face on a catwalk above them, and they all run away. Um, and they head to the only open room that they can find, um, which of course is a trap that the killer laid for them because he starts pumping gas into the room. Uh, so they sacrifice a jacket, uh, to clog up where the gas is coming in. They sacrifice a lot of clothes. Jess yeah, trips they down to her bra, which she stays in for the rest of the movie. Um, they sacrifice, uh, Kevin's beautiful, beautiful jacket and his hat. Yeah, uh, I guess I think it's a true They already lost Taylor's jacket earlier because they used it to cover Miss Presley. Yeah, which it uh, would have been really good for this because it was a big ass jacket. Yeah. Uh, so they, but like obviously the gas isn't stopping anytime soon. So they go for Plan B, which is go up through the little like because uh, it's got the tile court panel tile yeah. ceiling. Yeah. Uh, so they start climbing up through that. Uh, Barrett takes the opportunity of helping Lexi get up there to grab her ass. Get a good moment to grab that ass. <laughs> uh, which, look, come on, man. Could you think of a maybe a better time and place? He does. Right now. He does. He thinks of a uh, better time. Yeah, no, he finds a better time and place, but we'll get there. Speaking uh, of Barrett finding inopportune times to do things, um, I know Audrey took good notes on this. Apparently, throughout the movie, Barrett is just unbuttoning his shirt, and I have to know what state of unbuttoning is he at at this point. Uh, okay, so he takes down, I think as of, like, when he gets electrocuted, he's down two buttons. Uh, I think he's still down two buttons at this point, but at the end of this sequence he will be down to three buttons i want to clarify that i don't mean like in the background you see him unbuttoning his shirt just between cuts his shirt yeah, just no, gets between... more open yeah he is slowly unbuttoning his shirt off camera Maybe uh the ghost did it yeah but no they start they climb up onto the roof uh well, well they're inside group, of like, the ceiling yeah in inside the ceiling trying to run from the killer uh, they climb onto, like, the pipes instead because the panels aren't going to uh, support their weight. Yeah. Also, I, I need to mention right now, Taylor brought her skateboard up here. <laughs> like, she <laughs> still has her skateboard. She's not, like, oh, yeah. the entire time. Yeah. She does not abandon the skateboard ever. It's uh, important. Yeah. But uh, um, speaking of Taylor, she does... She gets her shoelace stuck. Yeah. And between the pipes or something. It's not really clear. Yeah, Barrett tries giving her lesbian dating advice while he's passing by her. Just out of nowhere. Barrett's just like this. Barrett is, uh, if, if, you're, uh, if you've ever seen Final Destination, he's like Carter from the first Final Destination. Because every so often somebody will just be like, shut up, Barrett. Just like, Carter, you jerk. Yeah, no, I, 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 meant, I made a note to copy down every time shut up Barrett was said uh in unison and I think it's like three separate times yeah that both Jess and Lexi yell shut up Barrett at the same moment uh, yeah which is beautiful 
Yeah, so the, the killer starts stabbing through the ceiling with, uh, I mentioned before that the weapon was really pathetic. Uh, it's, it's a stick. Yeah, it's a sharpened metal pole, and that is boring as hell. Is it metal? I thought it was wooden. It looks wooden. Oh, I thought it was metal. Like, it was like a, a pipe. It was like a metal construction pole. But either way, it's not, like, it's very, not, it's not completely sharp. It's no. got, like, a rounded edge when you see, like, a, like, close-ups of it. Yeah, it um, is not a great killing weapon, but... Yeah, um, so, uh, uh, during all of this commotion, uh, Barrett and Lexi fall, uh, through the ceiling, uh, and then also, um, uh, Kevin and Jess fall through the ceiling a different way. Yeah, so, so we get a nice they, they group split. Yeah. Nice group um, split between Kevin and Jess and Lex and Barrett. Uh, but Taylor is is still stuck with her shoelace, and, like, she probably should have tried taking off her shoe earlier, but now it's pretty much too late. Yeah. And, uh, she presumably gets stabbed off screen, but we don't get to see it. No, we get the, we get to see the uh, end of the spiky stick poking up through the ceiling, poking up as it's getting closer, uh, so we get the whole Jaws sequence of the fin rushing in through the water. Uh, but we don't actually see it emerge the uh, through yeah. uh, break the ocean's top. Yeah, uh, all of the kills in this movie are like that. Off um, screen. Yeah. Completely off screen. Um so um I wrote here this is this is the scene that I mentioned before where I think this takes place in like a cell or at least next to one. Yeah, it's next Kevin, to a whole bunch of iron bars, Kevin. Yeah. Because Kevin wakes up with his arm between the bars, but the thing is, that doesn't make any sense, because he wakes up like that, and it has, like, crisscrossing bars, and he fell from the ceiling. How did his arm get, like, halfway through there, like, up to his elbow, when he uh, fell Jesus. through the ceiling? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I... Anyways, this is it's not important. But no, but... Uh, what is important, though, is his foot gets lodged in the metal bars as well. And he twists his ankle as a result. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but what's even more important is that one of his shoes is flashing instead of being yeah. a solid color. Um, yeah. And when they get up, he, he takes a quick moment to, to switch it back to the correct mode. I remember in our early viewings, I had forgotten what happened. And I had, like, a memory of him, like, getting serious and turning his shoes red. Just because he was going, like, he was getting in real final final mode. That would have been so good, but unfortunately... That would have been so good if, like, happens. hold on, I gotta do this really quick. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm angry now. I am angry! Um, oh, yeah. uh, and at this point, they cut to the opening sequence. Remember oh, yeah. that whole chase scene? It's yeah. here. This they is think- it. Yeah, they start getting worried um, about... The, they start getting chased by the killer. Um, and meanwhile, Lexi and Barrett m- uh, fell into the mess hall, and they're on top of, like, a cafeteria table. Um, and but they're safe. They're fine. Yeah, they're safe. They're fine. They take this opportunity to, like, share a flask, talk about their problems. Yeah, Barrett hurt his hip because he fell on the flask. Yeah. And then Barrett just fully unbuttons his shirt at this point. Uh, because they're not going to fuck. That's not, that doesn't happen on screen. Well, That's they, not allowed. They do fuck, but it's off screen. But we know they do. 
we know they essentially fuck, but for all we could tell in from our perspective, they just strip down to their underwear and then make out. Yeah, um, also very important to mention that Barrett has fucking bright-ass neon pink undies. It is beautiful. I screamed uh, when I saw them, because I forgot that he had such bright underwear. It is, like, vibrant Kirby pink. No, uh, not, not even Kirby pink. Like, I don't want people to think it's, like, a nice bubblegum pink. No, it's neon-ass hot pink, okay? This, this, this shit looks like it's under a black light. It's the only thing you can look at when it's on the screen. And we only get the one shot of it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Jess and... This is, like, being intercut. Like, them making out with uh, Jess and Kevin running away. And they hit a dead end. Um, and Jess... This, Jess is an idiot. And she punches the concrete wall and hurts her fist. <laughs> and uh, uh, Kevin and Jess actually have, like, a really sweet little scene here. Yeah, they have a... Kevin gets another heart-to-heart with our uh, secondary female lead. He calls her sports robot at one point. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You've already been the best. You just gotta prove it to yourself. Yeah, yeah, because she has this whole thing that she keeps whispering to herself where she's like, be the best all the time, which we didn't mention, but it it comes back later for a really weird scene in the movie. Um... But apparently her whole thing is that she hasn't made her dad proud yet or whatever, and she's got daddy issues. Like, that was the thing with the the, uh, the guy in Breakfast Club, too, the jock character. Um, but it was actually done decently there. Yeah, but they have a nice hug. And this is, this is the part that I, I mentioned where um, the stick is suddenly bloody for, like, one shot, which makes no sense because in the earlier shots that we saw, because um, there are earlier close-ups, uh, during the chase scene of the stick doesn't have any blood on it. All of a sudden, yeah. it's got blood on it. Which, if it would have blood on it from anything, it would be from stabbing Taylor, so... But we already saw that after... Yeah, exactly. Shots. Unless, like, after Taylor has already been stabbed, the killer goes back and gets a couple more stabs <laughs> in on old Throckmorton. As a treat. Like, I mean, oh, God, this is so difficult. Let me just re-kill this old kill I've already done. It would make sense because they get a lot of time to talk in there on their own. He thought his stick wasn't threatening enough and needed to make it spookier, so he went back and got blood. <laughs> yeah. Also very important is... You're not going to take my stick seriously. <laughs> okay, also very important is that um, uh, uh, Lexi and Barrett decide to fuck a second time. Lexi's reasoning is hashtag YOLO, which takes this oh. cake for the most dated movie in this line. Uh, the, 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 blah, blah, blah. The most the dated, most dated line, line in, this, in movie. this movie? Yes, correct. How do you okay. do, fellow kids? <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they do set something up in, like, the... While they're, like, in between round one and round two, mm-hmm. uh, where Barrett is, like, he picks up the, the, the locket oh, yeah, around yeah. Uh, Lexi's necklace, around next Lexi's neck, and asks, "What is that thing?" And she says, "Don't worry about you it." You know, which means it's <laughs> definitely very important. But also, like, what kind of line is "What is that thing?" It's a necklace. I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe it would make sense if they were, like. If they were having, like, normal, not heat of the moment while we're in the process of maybe getting killed sex, 
because then it might be weird that she didn't take it off. But considering how rushed that was, I think it makes sense that she didn't take the time to take off her necklace. I guess. I guess. I don't know. It's More important stuff is that uh, Kevin and Jess decide to hide from the killer. Yeah. Uh, They're like the, the like room where like people call their... Uh, like like the talking room yeah for guests yeah where they um the 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 meeting the visiting, yeah, the visiting room yeah so they're in like a, a place with like all these little like uh like phone chamber things you know what i'm talking about yeah um and they yeah. get up on one of them and they like tuck themselves against the wall because there's just like a little bit of wall where like when he peers in he doesn't peek behind the corner enough to see them a little bit of wall as a treat <laughs> This is the one time in the entire movie where Kevin turns his fucking sneakers off. And as soon as the killer is gone and they get back up, he turns them back on again like a fucking idiot. I love him, but... He has an aesthetic and he's going to commit to it. But he he was willing to sacrifice his hat and his awesome jacket, but not the shoe lights? Look, look, those shoes are probably custom made or custom ordered. He's not going to get rid of those. Okay, I disagree with you on that because, like, I remember there was a a time when you could go to the fair and there were booths just selling those kinds of shoes en masse. Yeah, I I don't know. God, you don't even know your light-up shoe lore. <laughs> um, but yeah, the moment that the killer misses them, they start running out. Yeah, um, and this whole time Kevin has been, like, limping, and he's been real behind Jess because um, of his his hurt foot that we mentioned earlier. Uh, eventually, like, Jess ends up abandoning him in the dust. No, she uh, doesn't abandon him. Well, no, he... he she runs really far ahead without double backing to make sure that he's consistently behind her. Yes, but he makes the conscious decision to yeah. let her go ahead without her, yeah. without him, without telling her. Yeah, about no, he it. splits off to be bait without telling her, endangering yeah. them both. And just runs back, and there's like there's an open door that he goes through to the side of the hallway. Once again, this is another scene that takes place in a fucking hallway. Um, and she runs back and looks through, like, every door except the one he went through. It's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, Kevin runs to the dark hallway, lights are flickering. Well, he's walking now. Doesn't matter. He is lighting up the night, uh, with his... Yeah, there's a lot of shots of the shoes. Yeah. Uh, at which point we get, like, a shot of the killer creeping up on them and... Yeah, there's also there's this, like, flashing overhead light, which, like, whenever the light goes out, like, the only thing lighting the scene is the light-up shoes. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, I like to think they ran out of budget for lights and that they needed his shoes. (laughs) (laughs) But no, uh, Kevin gets, Kevin gets got, but once again, we don't get to see it on screen. We don't get to see it. It's a cut to black. They, they only had enough budget for, like, one little bottle of fake blood, and that was it. Um, so Jess, uh, you know, running around trying to find Kevin, uh, and finally gets to the mess hall, and she finds Lexi and Barrett. Um, and at first she's like, oh my god, I'm so glad to see you guys. And then she sees all of the lipstick that is on Barrett's face. I want to say, throughout this whole movie, there's been... You mentioned this earlier and said there was a love triangle yeah. between Lexi and Jess and Barrett. And I want to say... 
that is not a love angle like you see in most love triangles. This is an actual love triangle, in my opinion. Oh, oh, you you think you think uh, Lexi and Jess are into each other? There is tension there. There is sexual oh, yeah. tension there. For sure. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, that was also a twist in the in the two sentence horror stories deadly detention thing. Oh yeah, so no. good. So Lex and Jess start arguing. Um, it's a really good line in there of uh, Jess going, "I'm gonna assume this crazy is just the syphilis talking." What <laughs> you have syphilis? Yeah, but <laughs> like, would you actually have syphilis? Yeah, he's so fucking stupid. Um, there, and during all this, of this, this has arguing, the stupid sexy Barrett line already happened or no? Um, uh, stupid I, sexy Barrett has happened at this point. Yeah, I think I just says that at some point. Um, probably during. I don't scene. remember the context of stupid sexy Barrett. Yeah. Um. The by the way, the voice keeps on coming on the loudspeaker to tell them to go back to the holding room, and they're just like, "Shut the fuck up! We're in the middle of something." You know, they're they're arguing about, like, because Jess is pissed that they decided to go off and, you know, fuck or whatever while all this is going on, and she thinks Kevin is dead, and yada yada. Um, but Barrett starts asking about mirrors. He's like, have you guys noticed there's not any mirrors in here? If I'm- if I end up dead, I want to go out hot. Um, and this leads to, I would say, like, my favorite exchange in the entire movie, where- Jess basically just calls out Barrett, just puts him on full blast. Um, I wrote down here, uh, because Barrett, because you're such a piece of nothing. A waste of beautiful space. Yeah. To which Barrett's like, response is, stop hating. Yeah, shut up, stop hating. So uh, he, he starts talking about like, well, you know, we're all in different cliques or whatever, but we chose our place. And he, you know, like, says what each of them were. And then when he gets to, to Lexi, he says, you're a slut. And Lexi, quite understandably, slaps him in the fucking face. Yeah, no, he calls him an athlete, nerdy for Jesus, unsure what Taylor's thing is, and maybe that was her whole thing. Uh, slut. Yeah. And then we all picked the part and played it. Don't blame me for choosing popular. Yeah, um, so they leave him behind, because Barrett sucks. Yeah. Um, and so they leave, and uh, he walks over to, like, a darkened window where he can, like, look at his reflection <laughs> and says the best line in the entire movie. Matt, would you do the honors? Yes, please. Haters gonna hate, but Barrett's always great. <laughs> at which point it's... he gets his face smashed Just in through the glass. Immediately dead. By uh, the killer who has gotten into the room. Yeah, um, so the girls hear the glass break and they run back in. And the reaction is so good because Jess goes down and, like, looks. And she goes, oh my god. His, his face. face. <laughs> he just wanted to die hot and he looks awful. He's gonna be so pissed. Ghost pissed. Um, Can I just say that at one point I was just in the car with my mom, and then out of nowhere I just, I just, haters gonna hate, but Barrett's always great. And she was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Who is Barrett? Who is Barrett? And why is he great? Uh, at which I do want to mention, there's a tiny moment here. Uh, as a callback to earlier, I guess, maybe, maybe it's a callback, I don't know. Jess takes this moment 
as an opportunity for post-mortem butt-touching. Oh my god, yeah. I did notice that, that she kind of, like, subtly touches his butt. I don't think that she, like, means to do it, but they decide to uh, grab some weapons from the kitchen, and they uh, start walking down the hallway, you know, deciding to be tough, cool girls. Oh god. Um, And, yeah, I know, I know, because it's time. It's time! Jess sets down the the big metal tray that she's gonna use to, you know, whack the killer over the head or whatever, and she starts, like, doing, like, cheerleader poses or whatever and, like, psyching herself up. Um, I I say cheerleader, but she's got some real intensity going on. Uh, She's like, and then she finally ends it with a giant fucking shout of, be the best! Uh, also, like, underneath this whole thing, there is, like, 80s motivational music. Uh, yeah. Un- and Lexi looks so confused through the whole thing. Very understandably so. Yeah, they start heading back to the holding cell. As they're heading there, like, they find Kevin's Bible. And there is, there is there's blood on the glitter Bible. Kevin's... No, there's blood on the, there's blood on the floor. There's, blood. there's not any blood on the Bible. Oh, Thank God. There's no blood on the Bible. Yeah. Okay. I, I noticed that. I didn't write it down, but I noticed that there was a puddle of blood, but no blood had tainted the Holy Scripture. Okay. Good! But yeah, they managed to eventually find the exit near the radio com. Uh, yeah, like the control room. And they see the killer leaning into the radio. And like, I do imagine there is a really weird line delivery that the killer does. Uh, where, like, he does not take a breath to say this line, which is, this is fun. Are we having fun today, ladies? I know, I know, I sure I am. I remember, and he just, like, kind of marches up to the thing, says that very aggressively, and then walks away. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they, they head over to, like, the window where they can see into the room, and Lexi peeks up, and she just sees a giant-ass shrine of this this girl that we saw at the start of the movie. And this is when they finally let us know that this is Jenny Duke, the girl who committed suicide. I mean, we could have guessed. We could have guessed. This is when they finally say it. Like, oh, the killer has a giant ass shrine to the dead girl. I wonder who the killer could be. Yeah. um, So they try and sneak attack the the killer. But Lexi, Lexi has this, like, big like, barbecue fork or whatever. I don't know what you would call it. Yeah, she does. It's one of those, like, really pointy things. And she does not use it to stab him. She just jumps on his back like a monkey. Uh, meanwhile, like, Jess is trying to hit him with the... She brought a shield. She brought a steamer dish it's, it's a, lid as yeah, a shield. Yeah, it's a big metal pan. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, she does get a good whack in the head, but it's not enough. Um, and the, the killer gets her to the ground and, um, gets her head in between where, like, the, a big, like, metal gate closes, like a cell door. Which seems like the setup to a really cool kill. But once again, it is not shown. Yeah, we do not get to see, we see the moments leading up to the iron grate, uh, closing in on her head, but we do not see it smashing her skull open. So... Uh, the the killer uh, the killer had like thrown Lexi off of his back and so she's like semi conscious and instead of killing her he drags her into the control room because somebody needs to hear his big motivation monologue yeah. right 
Uh, um, which... Also, like, we should, I mean, we should probably say at this point, um, it's a really shocking moment when Jess gets killed like that. Yeah, it is terrifying, uh, because literally every other kill up to this point was kind of ridiculous, but... Well, no, no, not that. Not that. But also, I think because... Because I went through the whole movie thinking she was the main character. Yeah, she is very yeah, much exactly. built up to be the protagonist. She's got those hero vibes. And not just that, but she has the final girl energy, whereas Lex is, Lexi is made to literally represent, like, the opposite. She's meant to represent the horny girl who gets killed at the beginning because she was too busy fucking. Yeah. Which, um, to, be, and to be fair, the... she was very busy fucking. Yeah, she doesn't get killed for it, which I actually, I really like, like, this is what I was saying about how I like how they, they played with those tropes, is, like, they, they use that to make you think that she's gonna die, and then she ends up being the final girl, and it's a nice subversion, like, I actually, that is part of this movie that I think is legitimately good, is that Lexi is the final girl instead of Jess, and it works. She's brought into a little room, uh, and the bad guy gets to reveal that, oh yeah, it's Mr. Bus Man. It's the Hulk. Yeah, it's the bus driver. It's the um, bus guy. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, he starts saying a bunch of shit that doesn't really matter yeah, he gets um, his, until he's like... He gets his villain monologue. Until, he gets to say, like, oh, I was behind everything. I put the opossums in the school. I framed yeah, everyone. Yeah, to get detention. Do you know how hard it is getting rabid possums into the school? <laughs> like, you, yeah, I literally, I wrote that line down. He literally, really... he could have done anything else. He could have just gone, I planted a bomb in the school. Bye. No, and just... like, that would have done the job much easier. No, he just really hates these five kids. Uh... No, I mean, no, not that in particular. I just mean that like, he could have done anything to make it so they couldn't have detention at school. Just bringing in a bunch, a, an indistinct number of rabid possums. He, uh, no, no, it wasn't an indistinct number. He does specifically say 50 opossums. <laughs> huh? What? I wrote it down. Excuse me? He gathered 50 rabid opossums. Where did he get 50? And how does he know they all have rabies? You have to be, like, cultivating a small herd of opossums in able how did to, like, transport that many so rabid many opossums in one spot. He has, he has an opossum farm. I don't know what to tell you. You cannot transport 50 rabid opossums into a school without anyone noticing. I... Uh, evidently no evidently and then your reaction to that is to fumigate look people notice the rabbit opossums eventually yeah um so he lets lexi like scream into the the intercom to show that she's like really alone and that nobody can help her um and then he actually goes into like what his actual motivations are which is i got a dead daughter and yeah, daughter so, died and you were bullied. It's your yeah. fault. You are a mean girl and my daughter dead. Yeah, so he blames it, he blames the existence of cliques for the death of his daughter. He doesn't know for sure that anybody bullied her, but he thinks that because people were um, too mean or holier than thou or whatever... Um, that she didn't have any friends and that people made fun of her, even though he tried to stop that by being like, oh, don't tell anyone I'm your dad. So, 
So that's his his motivation. Yeah. Um. Which which isn't bad. Like he, he we're acting like like the motivation totally sucks. But he is he's intense enough that he sells yeah. it. Honestly. Well, I mean, don't they also imply that he is abusive? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. gonna get they to do, that. They don't imply it. Oh, they do not imply that he's they abusive. They state um, it. We're gonna get to there uh, yeah. because now we get to talk so, about. Hey, what's that thing? Don't worry about it. Yeah, so Lexi, during all of this, Lexi, during all of this, is like, nobody bullied her. Jenny had friends. And uh, eventually she pisses him off enough that he starts strangling her, and this is when Lexi opens up her locket and holds it up in his face. Which reveals it's Jenny's locket. It's got Jenny's face in it. I don't know why Jenny has a locket of her own face, but... I don't think it's hers. I think it's they had, like, best friend lockets or something. Well, she it, he says that it used to be Jenny's locket. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. So then he yeah. probably just put her, a picture of Jenny's face in it. I don't think Jenny had her, her own face in the locket. Yeah. Um, so, uh, apparently, uh, Lexi and Jenny were best friends. Yeah. And Lexi says that... Uh, that she, Jenny was always telling her that her dad had a temper problem and she was always covered in bruises. Um, so that implies that instead the issue is her dad was abusive. Yeah. He was actually super abusive and evil. And he's bad. Yeah. Which I guess doesn't make a lot of sense when you start to think about it because he's like, oh, I care about her so, so much. I care about her so much that I need to kill people when really he was beating her. Well, I mean, like... There's sometimes it's just like that. Sometimes fucked up, uh, abusive people are like that, where they can't stand to recognize that, like, they are the problem. Yeah. Which, uh, that kind of seems like what he's like, but they don't go into it enough. They don't spend enough that... time to actually detail it, because, like, after yeah. he confronts her, well, after she confronts him and the, the truth of the situation is revealed, uh, he starts attempting to kill Lexi again, and... Yeah, starts choking her out. Uh, we get Deus X Glass Dildo. Yeah, because he gets whacked over the head by the, the fucking Chekhov's Glass Dildo. <laughs> um, because it turns out Miss Presley is alive! Yay! And Somehow. I love the shot, too, is it's just over the shoulder while he is choking her. You see there's, like, a second where she just raises it up behind his head and holds it there for a minute before bashing his head with it. Yeah, yeah, like, the shot lingers on the glass dildo for maybe a bit longer than necessary, uh, just to show that, like, there, the, the statue is back. Uh, here it is. Really, it's only half a second. It's, it's not too much time, it's just enough to make it land. Yeah, but it's very much like she's showing the statue first and then hitting it over his head. Yeah. Um, so Lexi thinks that she's a zombie at first, um... But they, they resolve it. And so the the bus driver's on the ground. He's passed out and they have access to all the doors. So they they let themselves on out. We get, uh, hang, the explanation for why she's alive somehow is I don't go down easy and you kids are bad at taking pulses. And also this guy just sucks at killing because yeah. guess the fuck what? Yeah, apparently nobody's dead. 
Yeah, they're not gonna look cute come picture day, but they're not dead. So Barrett is gonna be pissed. Everyone lives. Yeah, no, somehow every single person who was killed lived. Which, in the case of, like, Throckmorton and Kevin, that makes sense. We don't even get to see them on screen. But, like, Barrett got his face smashed in. Yeah, I guess that can work, but... Jess got her head crushed. Yeah, he literally even says about Jess that she really lost her head as a joke. So, like, she's not no, alive. No, he's bad at she's, murder. Jess is she regenerated. dead. God. Uh, but, yeah. She didn't diminish all of her XP. She respawned at her bed. Yeah, that's how deadly detention ends. Everyone lives. They just walk down the hallway and the credits start to roll and that's that's it. That's the end of Deadly Detention. But also, like, hold on. I, I want to reiterate something. Like, yes, everyone al- everyone's alive, but based on if the injuries were possibly deadly, they should at least be, like, in critical care and might need help. But instead of, like, mm-hmm. going back to help people or even, like, take care of Jess, who is... 10 feet away from them. They just walk down to the exit and leave. Casually chatting the whole time. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's deadly detention. The best movie. I mean, it's it's a really it's a deep, compelling movie. There's so much here to analyze and discuss. The symbolism. Oh. <laughs> the cinnamon topography. I'm so tired of Oscar bait. <laughs> It's such a good movie. We really love Deadly Detention. It's so bad. It's a horrible, terrible movie, and you should all go and watch it. Absolutely. It's on Hoopla, which nobody has. So just, like, That makes it it even better that the only way you can find it is through a streaming platform no one knows about. Just rent it off Amazon or YouTube. That's basically the best way to get around it. Or you could... Or just pirate it. Pirate it. Pirate it. I'm not going to tell you not to. Be gay, do crimes. Um, that's our motto on this show. So, yeah, it's nice having you guys on. Absolutely. I had a blast. Thank Thank fun time. So, yeah. Uh, next week, I believe we're going to be doing an episode on some horror girl figurines, which I'm going to have Matt back for. Very hype. Because we have opinions. I have opinions, and I'm right. You really are. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You guys want to plug any socials or anything here at the end? No. Nope. Uh, All right. <laughs> yeah, I will say that uh, although you will not be able to find me anywhere on social media, you can find me under the cover of darkness, under the light of full moon, uh, <laughs> hiding beneath <laughs> the local Denny's. I thought that you were going to say, well, you can't find me on any social media. You can find me on Tumblr. No. <laughs> Which probably would have been funnier, honestly. Um, and you can yeah. find me in the clown car that just showed up outside your house. Come on, Uh-oh. going on an adventure. Um, yeah, so you can find me uh, at Silky Wishes Most Places, uh, Twitter, Tumblr. Some places it's got a dash in between. Sometimes it doesn't. I, I think Twitter, it's got an underscore underneath. Just do your best to find me. It's my little puzzle for you. It's a mystery. Um, yeah, you can also find me on Twitter at uh, at Final Girls OTD. Uh, it's a Final Girls of the Day account. 
Um, I believe that is where I'm going to be promoting this podcast the most, just because it's a horror Twitter account. Um, yeah. And uh, I should be setting up an email soon for uh, for this. I think it's probably going to be um, fearblisspod at gmail.com. So if you want to send any submissions, ideas, comments about the show, feel free to do it there. So yeah. You guys have fun? Yeah, yeah. this was a lot of fun. Good. Uh, do you have an outro? Um, I do not have an outro Haters yet. gonna I mean... hate, but fear bliss always great. <laughs> <laughs>